Good afternoon, everybody. It's Steph. It is March the 26th, 2009, quarter to two in the p.m., and driving with Princess Isabella Molyneux, or Pimlet. We're going to go and see Mama, who is currently seeing a patient. And so I thought that I would try and share with you... I don't know if this will be useful or not. Maybe it will be, but I think it's worth recording anyway. I thought I would try sharing with you an idea that I was discussing with Christina the other night. And I'm trying to figure out my relationship to the world as a whole, as it is, as it is to be with any luck. And so this was a useful concept for us to work with, and I hope that it will be useful for you as well. It's an interesting question, and I think a very important one, but it's an interesting question to ask. How long do you think it's going to be before... Okay, let's say we're right, and, you know, atheism and anarchism and, you know, all of the state being an effect of bad families and so on. Let's say that we're right about it. I mean, obviously, I think we are. Uh, otherwise, we'd be talking about something else or correcting past mistakes. But um, let's say we're right. How long do you think it's going to be before these things are generally accepted. And I don't mean, of course, by everyone, and I certainly don't mean by every country, but let's say in the West we generally accept that women are equal, that racism is bad, that slavery is immoral, uh, and, you know, for quite some time, although these have been eroded lately, the rule of law was considered to be uh, important, and habeas corpus, and all these kinds of things. Uh, How long do you think it's going to be before these things are generally accepted and it's considered kind of fringe to not accept these things? And that to me is a very interesting question. I can't imagine, and this, I mean, I have no idea, right? I have no idea. This is all nonsense, and it could be less, it could be more. This is just my gut, which doesn't mean anything other than I had chicken for lunch. But I can't really picture that it's going to be anything less than three to five generations. In other words, 90 to uh, 150 years from now. I, I, I just, because this stuff... Like, science can can transmit its knowledge pretty quickly, although there is, of course, that myth, which I think is more than a myth, which is that for a new scientific paradigm to take hold, it requires that the previous adherents kind of die off or at least retire so that the new new, new young Turks can come in with their new theories. But it still is a faster... There is a much faster transmission of scientific ideas than there is of the ideas that we talk about here, which is both good and bad news, right? So a, a scientist who, a physicist, you know, in, in the teens of the, in the teens of the 20th century could work through the theory, special and general theory of relativity and could understand them if he was open-minded and then accept them based on the logic and the evidence and so on. And it took a little longer, of course, for evolution, but that was largely because of, you know, religious uh, superstitions and bigotries but once a scientific idea is out there, uh, and it's proven, and it's logical, uh, or at least it, there's enough supporting evidence that it's considered proven, then we pretty much go with, okay, 
that's uh, valid, and that can try. That's not an intergenerational thing, right? But the kind of stuff that we're talking about is tracing the effects of violent, evil, and destructive social policies or or beliefs on the family. And because philosophy is kind of the scar tissue that forms over the PTSD of childhood trauma, for the most part, for most people who've had that childhood trauma, and they do seem to be particularly drawn to philosophy in many ways, then since philosophical examination is a defense against prior trauma, a way of covering up and burying and abstracting and so on, then it simply is not going to be easy to transmit this knowledge. Because the opposition to this knowledge is a psychological defense based on trauma and you know, if you've ever tried to get to the root of, of this sort of stuff with people, and, and even if you do get to the root for them to actually change their lives, it's, you know, a multi-year process, even for the most dedicated and intense uh, individuals, it is a multi-year process at best, right? And And I'm not saying I'm any kind of champion with this kind of stuff, but for me, it was, you know, 15 to 17 years of studying philosophy and psychology, it was a couple of years of really intensive therapy, three hours a week, eight to ten hours a week of journaling. It, it was really an intensive, intense process, $20,000. I had to get out of work at three o'clock twice a week to go to therapy. It was just monstrous when it came to um, the amount of time and investment it took to overcome and that was with all the preparation of philosophical and psychological preparation. And maybe there's other people who do it way, way faster and, and so on, uh, which is great, although I've never seen it. But it is, it's a hugely, I was talking to Lloyd DeMoss and asked him sort of what was it that gave him the strength to do the stuff that he's doing, despite, you know, the defensive reactions he gets from other people. I'm not saying everything he does is perfect, because Lord knows that's not the case with me either. But what, what he said was he said, you know, it was 25 years of therapy. It was 25 years of therapy that gave him the capacity to explore the world from the sort of psychohistory perspective, that the history of the world is the history of parenting, which is not exactly the same as, as the approach that we take, or I take, but it's it's pretty damn similar. Um, so it's 25 years, and, you know, he's still a statist, right? <laughs> but, you know, whatever, right? I mean, uh, he's not a philosopher, right? So I think recognizing the extraordinary amount of difficulty it takes to overturn philosophies that are essentially psychological defense mechanisms against prior trauma that must be rejected and is obviously uh, is uh, is very clearly reenacted in uh, in later situations right to take a minor example there's this uh, Alex fellow uh, who I had the debate with right and I thought I was, you know, perfectly pleasant and complimentary and, and positive and enjoyed the conversation, and he said that he did too, and then, you know, I guess he he had a reaction to it later and posted all this nasty, bitchy stuff on his blog about the debate without referencing the fact that he thought he'd enjoyed it, but he changed his mind, which is kind of like lying, right? It's kind of two-faced. It's not kind of two-faced. It is completely two-faced. And it is, of course, not... <laughs> Not uninteresting that somebody would be so interested in problems to do with ethics 
and uh, yet would behave in such a, you know, kind of slimy uh, and manipulative uh, way. I mean, that's, <laughs> and that's why it would not be particularly interesting to have other debates with ethics about him, because he doesn't get the basics of action, and therefore there's no point talking about the complexities of theory, in my, uh, in my opinion. So that, uh, uh, that aspect of stuff is really, really important, I think, to, to understand you know, that some of the religious libertarians would be anti-state because the state is secular and they want more room for religious authority or power, which is not the same as reasoning from first principles and is kind of a, I mean, in my mind, it's kind of a defense mechanism, um, as I've talked about before, against the trauma of being lied to about gods and devils and hell and punishment and sin when they were children uh, by their parents, right? And religion is a scar tissue of dissociation and intensity bred by uh, lying to and manipulating uh, children, right? So, so it's really hard to overturn these kinds of things, which is why I can't imagine, even with the most dedicated effort, that it's going to be anything less than three to five generations. And of course, it would have been a lot longer, as it has been really hundreds of generations since, uh, well, at least a hundred generations since uh, the time of Socrates, depending on how you count. Generally, it's around thirty years, maybe it's less for some. Certainly, the Roman Empire life expectancy of twenty-two, it would have been less, but. Um, a hundred or a hundred odd generations since the time of Socrates, and you know we've made some progress uh, for sure. I think we should always be happy about the progress we have made. Technology is really helping us expand that situation. Uh, sorry, expand, uh, accelerate the progress of the moral instruction of the species, and that's fantastic. I still can't imagine that it's going to be anything less than three to five generations. So, that having been said, let's those of us who've made this leap are kind of from the future in a, you know in a way right <laughs> terminators thrown back in time to <laughs> retroactive abortions blah 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 but we kind of and i remember i think it was the very first time i was on francois tremblay's show when he said are you from the future and i made some joke about well yeah because when i speak it takes a couple of seconds for skype to transmit it and all but um uh, in in a sense right i mean we we if we're right and if these uh, uh, ideas are going to these sort of logically consistent ideas are going to be spread more widely then we are from the future and we're kind of thrown back in time to a more primitive era of irrationality defensiveness religiosity superstition and uh, the worship of power and manipulation and and so on and that is a very interesting thing to think about we kind of we're from the future and we're cast back to a more primitive and superstitious time, and of course we have to be kind of careful about that. And to to understand that in a way that I hope is not entirely too metaphorical, and I'm not sure what the utility of it is, but it certainly gave me some comfort, so there it is, I don't know what the hell it, it's good for, but it's good for something. Which is to say, take the average, reasonably progressive, secular, liberal, you know, slightly left of center and obviously anti-racist, anti-homophobic, uh, anti-sexist, uh, uh, and so on. And yeah, you, all kinds of irrational ideas about economics and statism and so on. But take this person and put him back, let's say, 150 years, right? So from, I don't know, to make the math simple, from 2000 to 1850, from the year 2000 to 1850. And that is 
generous, right? It could be more because we've got the acceleration of the internet now as far as propagating these ideas goes. But take the average progressive liberal and throw him back in time 200, uh, sorry, 150 years uh, at a time when you know, sl- sl- slavery is still hotly contended and, and that the majority of people are pro-slavery. Uh, something like overcoming racism would be completely incomprehensible to people uh, any more than we would say to to modern people, uh, you know, chimpanzees should be allowed to vote. That's about as much sense uh, to people as saying that the races are, are equal. Um, religiosity would be so rampant that it would be inconceivable to us in the modern world, where at least there is some balance of more secular viewpoints, and their religion is is much more apologetic now than it used to be in the past, right? So there would be that uh, aspect. Uh, Sexism would be incomprehensible, the idea that women are anything really more than chattel and cattle, uh, breeding and uh, milk for the babies, uh, would be incomprehensible to people. The idea that women should be equal uh, to men would be utterly incomprehensible, to people, and of course, there would be a huge amount of hostility. And maybe you can use this to explain it to your statist friends, right? There'd be a huge amount of hostility. And and if you went back in time as your modern progressive secularist liberal, even if you were religious, right? But more more on the secular side, it would be. What would it be like for you to be in 1850? as a modern say well you'd have to bite your tongue you'd have to watch what you say you'd be perpetually frustrated you'd you'd you'd, you'd know what the truth is and and you would have a, a valid and just approach to the truth but at the same time you would know that the context for people to understand what you were saying was still in the process of being developed and was in fact in its very primitive stages and i think if we can picture what it would be like to to be thrown back 150 years to to 1850, right, to a time before Darwinian, I guess it was Lamarckian evolution, but to to a time before Darwinian evolution, before DNA, before, uh, I can't remember, I think the germ theory was in the process of being developed, um, before the periodic table of the elements was completed. I mean, I don't know about all the facts, but it's it's a pretty long time ago, right? What would it be like for the average person to be thrown back in time, what would it be like? What would it be like for you if you were through, if you were not an anarchist, not an atheist, but you were thrown back in time to that kind of situation? What would it be like to live in that kind of world? Well, if we are right, and we are a couple of generations uh, prior to a generally accepted moral truth around the universality of NAP, property rights, and voluntarism, and so on, then, you know, the state is to 2008 as slavery is to 1850 although probably closer to 1750 or maybe 1050. But uh, I think that's an important perspective to have on this uh, this topic because we are kind of thrown back through the time bubble from the future. And we are in a situation which is analogous to a modern man being thrown back to 1850 or 1750. And... Yes, we can, I think, fully understand how weird, frustrating, alienating, and uh, disruptive it would be to be thrown backwards in time, but how amazingly useful it would be in many ways if you could get some communications out at that time 
to help move the conversation forward. So I hope that provides some comfort to you. It certainly did to me, if that makes any sense. And uh, it makes, uh, I think, the tinfoil around my head, which does protect me from uh, time travel rays, much more comprehensible, I think, and I hope that it will for you as well. Thank you so much for listening. I look forward to your donations and subscriptions, of course. I will talk to you soon.